0: Welcome to the Brand Ambassadors, your wide-angle look at the field of PR and what it means for your company. Your host is Merritt Hamilton Allen with co-host Gary Potterfield. Every firm has a compelling narrative that sets them apart from the crowd. In your company, you can use your own background and storytelling to your advantage as well as that of your business. Now, here are your hosts, Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield.
1: Good morning and welcome to the Brand Ambassadors. I'm Merritt Hamilton Allen joined by Gary Potterfield. Hey, good morning, Gary. We had a pretty dramatic week, didn't we?
2: Yeah, we did. It was a lot of good, interesting things going on here. I mean, a lot more fun things going on around here than elsewhere in the country.
1: Well, yeah, although just being kind of, I was in D.C. this week uh, as well, and just kind of being on the northern edge of something might happen with Florence, I think kept everybody on their toes.
2: Yeah. You yeah, was. I'll tell you something. I was thinking of, um, it did, I mean, and um, I was just thinking about 10, 15 minutes ago um, about the difference between, I, I wonder about the difference now uh, in this era for a natural disaster like a hurricane, and maybe fifty, seventy-five years ago, um, which which situation is has, is more impactful on the country? The reason I thought of that was, you know, my youngest Julia. She's a flight attendant, and uh, you know, she's she's she was rerouted two or three different ways. Um, people traveling are... I mean, just so many things are different now than they were years and years ago, where I think the disaster would maybe be more localized, but now it affects a bigger part of the world, I guess. I don't know if that's right or not. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, you know, and uh, cynically, you know, you noticed as soon as um, they had a decent forecast, all three states, North Carolina, South Carolina, Virginia, said, state of emergency, federal funds, please,
2: yeah, uh, right. I mean, that's... Uh,
1: you kind of wonder, you know, if the evacuation orders are just um, to, you know, help convince FEMA and the federal government, no, we're really serious, we're scared of this hurricane, please send money.
2: Yeah, I don't know. And, and um, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> They're going to get money, there's no doubt about that, but um, uh, certainly those on the coast itself probably uh, are going to need it.
1: Right. Right, although it, it seems, um, I, I think they predicted landfall with pretty, good, uh, with pretty good accuracy. It's just then how do emergency responders uh, uh, respond, and there's, you know, mandatory evacuations of the entire South Carolina coastline, which is probably not going to have a huge wind event, but, you know, they're going to have storm surge. Uh, then you've got the mandatory evacuations at No Kidding, where Florence makes landfall, And, uh, you know, local law enforcement says, no, seriously, write your social security on your arm, number on your arm, because we aren't coming back for you. I'm not (laughs) It's, um, you know, it's an interesting mix of uh, cajole and threaten and uh, trying to get people to evacuate. And I think the question remains, you know, is it really necessary to evacuate?
2: Well, I think that's the, yeah, the... the you know, what do you do? So you 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 live in this house. There was a story about some guy who uh, said, no, I'm not going to leave my house. I, everything I've ever you know, cared about is here. And what are you supposed to do about it? I mean, are you going to put your arms up uh, like Moses or something? I, I mean, are you going to stop the storm surge by being right. there?
1: Right. No, I... Um uh, I agree with that, but I also think, uh, on the other hand, it looks kind of like, I don't know, if you're in maybe Beaufort, South Carolina, which I think is fairly far down the southern coast, yeah, there's going to be some storm surge, but you could probably stay in your house. And right. the individual residents, you know, if you and I are figuring this out from uh, D.C. and Albuquerque, I'm pretty sure the residents who live there are a lot savvier than we are on what they need to do.
2: Yeah, but it, the problem is it's a it's a it, it is a bit of a crapshoot because you know if, if, you, you know you just don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. Right. I remember you know when the when it hit in uh, in Texas and you know my my other daughter Nathania and I was worried about you know can she stay in our house should she leave and we were all worried about it and as it turned out in her specific neighborhood it never actually got to her house uh, but then a couple of miles away people had to leave their homes so you just don't know. So Right. I don't know what I would do. Right. I mean that's the other thing you think about it. You think about it from you go, where am I going to go? I mean, I'm getting my car and go where? You, you, it just it's it's a very difficult thing to think about having to leave, you know?
1: Right. Right. And remember we saw pictures of the mandatory evacuation from Charleston and there are almost no cars on the road.
2: Right, right. Weren't you showing me that there were, there, were more, there were more cars coming in than leaving? Right. Like so what's going on here?
1: So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, this is, uh, and this is the type of crisis communication that, of course, you and I have done some training, uh, some FEMA-based training for, for first responders. And it's different than other types of communication training because uh, it's, it's a matter of well, it's similar in that you know you're managing expectations, and you want people to remain calm, but you have to put enough urgency into it so people pay attention to what you're saying.
2: Right, and uh, of course, the, you know it's um, it's always on the fly. You know, things happen uh, moment by moment. Uh, maybe not quite in a hurricane compared to maybe a fire or something like that, but because um, you kind of see it coming coming along. Uh, but um, yeah. Well, that's the thing, though, and that's the other thing I was thinking about, Merritt. Is uh, how much of uh, as we're watching all the coverage uh, everywhere is true concern for what's going on, or just uh, wow, this is a really good TV show. <laughs> this is reality right. TV, you
1: know. Oh yeah, I mean, we got we got Florence updates on Channel Thirteen in Albuquerque at six thirty this morning because you know.
2: Yeah well that's the world we're in uh, certainly I, the, well, we're, that's the other thing.
1: could hit us in uh, November or something yeah.
2: it, uh, it but it's worldwide i mean if it, and if it happens right. in the United States you're going to hear about it because it's certainly you know talking to my wife uh, it's all over the news uh, in Italy so um, yeah that, I wonder, but I don't think it goes the other way that's the thing if uh, if there were a a typhoon. yeah, we may hear about it for some, some place, and we may look a little bit, but uh, we aren't not going to be we Americans, I don't think, are going to be as engaged in um, in what's happening far away than we are here in our own country. Yeah, that's
1: that's certainly true. and uh, but then also, um, uh, you know there there is. I think down at the immediate, you know, local municipality level, that's where the crisis communication becomes really important. Um, you know, the, the governor um, is probably, you know, far inland <laughs> and is going to make uh, his, uh, his or her uh, statements and exhortations about safety, and the president will too. But I want to listen to my local sheriff or my local fire chief.
2: Yeah, when I think about uh, the times, let's say when you know, in, when there's a big snowstorm coming in the mid-Atlantic, or if there, or if there has been, when there's been hurricanes that have come to the D.C. area, uh, the things you think about. Of course, we all know it always happens when there's when the snowstorm is coming or something. Of course, everyone goes to the store and they buy all the bread and the, and the whatever else they're going to buy. But you do that is the one thing you worry about. You're like, well, no. Among the things you worry about, that really, if I don't have electricity, will I have food? What about, mm-hmm. you know, the pl- what about the plumbing? Oh my. You know, the times that I have lost water uh, for even like a half a day, I, th- I thought the world was coming in. I'm like, wait a minute. You just don't know how much you depend on those things that are just – you just don't think about them. And then when this happens, when, when you're going to lose power and your refrigerator and freezer are gone and your water stops – of course, that's an irony in a hurricane, but you're, you know, your running water stops, your fresh water – those that—that's the kind of stuff that can throw panic into people. Uh, I think.
1: Yes, yes, and um, and and there is fairly incessant, uh, ceaseless reporting on it, and I, I think that issue is only magnified by uh, internet and digital reports.
0: Right, there
2: it should be a channel. Be
1: live on air, but you can be putting updates uh, on the internet every fifteen minutes if you want.
2: We should start a channel, Mayor. it's called the Scare the Crap Out of You channel. Welcome. <laughs> That's our <laughs> our whole purpose is to make you feel is to make you feel fear
1: 24/7. Yeah, but I mean, it, 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 truly I think the media um is part of uh, uh the discussion and I, I think there's always going to be pushback. Well, we have you know, we have the right to let people know um what they uh uh, the information, you know, the, the latest information as soon as possible. Yeah, and you, you also have an obligation to get it out first and make it more exciting to draw more advertisers. And uh, that's that's the conundrum. Um, that, that, that's that's a, a press conundrum. I think we manage it all right. I really do.
2: Well, I do, I do wonder, and, and you talked about cynicism in the early part of this segment about the... Um, the the media in surrounding areas that aren't necessarily right there? And how many news directors are saying, we got to get a crew there? Why do you need to get a crew there? You don't need to get a crew there. But, yes, we do have to get a crew there.
1: Right, right. And, you know, Mike, I think what I love is most coastal residents, for them, their clue to evacuate is Jim Cantore showing up on their beach.
2: I re- right. I remember when uh, when they had the uh, the uh, uh, tsunami in, in, in Japan, wasn't it? Um, was mm-hmm. it Japan? Yeah. Uh, and the local, uh, I think it was the one of the local network affiliate channels at five o'clock in the morning. Um, they went live to one of their local reporters. We go live now to you know Jane Doe, and she's like on a bridge in D.C. reporting live about the event taking place. In Japan, I'm like, what in the
1: world? <laughs> 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 Bravely reporting on a tsunami from 6,000 miles away.
2: Well, well and that's the thing, it's like, away. why in the, it's just such nonsense, like, you're reporting live, why did you, why aren't, it's just, it's all smoke and mirrors, local. but you have to do something to say, oh, we're into this, this is, you know, we're, we're reporting live from down the, around the corner. Oh, my goodness. Um. That's a whole well, other you issue. take us
1: to break and tell people how to join our conversation? We're going to talk about crisis communications and training for the event.
2: No, what if I don't want to do that? Yes, I will. Uh, sure. Hey, folks, uh, you're listening to the Brand Ambassadors, and if you want to join in the conversation, which I hope you do, uh, give us a call at 866-472-5790. Drop us an email at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com, and we will be back in just a couple of minutes.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima. Our outcome based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also, look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service disabled veteran and a woman owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels. You'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit voxoptima.com. That's voxoptima.com. with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program
1: Welcome back to the Brand Ambassadors. Gary Potterfield and I, Merritt Allen, are talking about crisis communications in the face of a natural disaster. And you know, one thing we were talking about is kind of the incessant media coverage, and uh, it just seems like a constant drumbeat. And sometimes it can all seem to say the same thing. And I think one of the most fascinating uh, stories you and I were peripherally involved in was Hurricane Maria and our friend Mel Cordova going to Puerto Rico with his uh, own agenda. Uh, let, let, let's talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure. Yeah. I thought it's... It, it's uh, it's interesting because um, you think that I'm only one person. What can I do? And so that, that I think that stops most people from taking action. That's not Mel's style, and uh, he he um, you know with uh, Puerto Rican heritage and his dad living there and and uh, and lots of family there, and so he had a, a, absolute concern with what was happening um, as a result of that hurricane, and um, and just took action and uh, and uh, sure so so he just. You know, right off the bat, was deciding what can I do with the connections I have, with what I know. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna, you know, give money to the Red Cross, which is not a bad thing, but I'm gonna take, uh, I'm gonna take some direct action to go to, to places that I care about and know about and see what I can do. And, um, and indeed, he did. And uh, and um, Mel, for all I know, Mel is still there because he, he goes back and forth. Um, he started his own his own uh, thing called project Coki uh, named after uh, some uh, small frogs that are indigenous to Puerto Rico and uh, and got an entire project going um, so yeah there's a lot we could talk about about what Mel did but that's interesting because you know uh, regardless of of whatever is true or not true, what is happening, wh- what support the United States government gave to the, to the to Puerto Rico or did not, whatever was successes or failures, however many lived or died, um, his Mel's point of view, to speak for him, was that he needed to go there and uh, do what he could on his own to help people.
1: Exactly. I mean, he he was you know the one man band, and what what I loved about. Uh, was the swiftness and the relentlessness um, of his approach? Because first he went to Capitol Hill and told everybody who would listen, "Hey, this is what's going on. I'm going there, and I'm, I'm going there to see what's happening." And then uh, he got there. He did reports on social media that were fascinating. And then when we spoke with him, we did, we learned things about the response that's ne- that, that has never been reported because. Um, as you pointed out, we were so U.S. focused and we we're so U.S. perspective focused that no one really uh, covered the perspective of uh, the Puerto- of a Puerto Rican resident.
2: Right. Um, yeah. So, so uh, the, his ability, you know, the things, and I couldn't even. I, to me, I was fascinated by it because uh, I, I look, I, I hear what he did, and, and I know him well, and um, I'm thinking, you know, it, it takes a, a unique. Um, personality to say i'm going to do this I, and I'm, I'm going to find i'm going to do the exact opposite of everybody else i'm going to get on a plane that gets me to puerto rico not away from it and uh and uh you know t- take what he could take he's you know take take uh cash take um uh generators that, that are donated by uh you know organizations and, and you know he that he made that he got over there and um Um, You know, because uh, the the one thing that's nice about that kind of an approach, uh, certainly the the ability to tell the world what's going on. So he did two things, certainly trying to do the best he could through social media and other uh, means to tell the world what was happening in Puerto Rico from his perspective, but also to actually just do good, you know, uh, and not worry about uh, overhead, just to go do good.
1: Oh, yeah, and we saw all sorts of RFPs coming out, and we saw how that went, um, uh, in some cases with the disaster relief, with companies just completely unprepared to respond, trying to respond, because they got the low-bid contract, Uh, uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's basically... Uh, his focus was taking a cell phone into a neighborhood that had no coverage and letting people call their loved ones, uh, finding food, finding water. Um, uh, it, it was um, it was just such an an inspiring uh, uh, trip he took. It is uh, does he still have his website up?
2: Uh, Project Koki website. I don't know. I haven't checked it for some time. Um. I'll look for it before the end of the show and get out, get it out if it's still there, so people can do it. He did. He did a GoFundMe as well uh, to try yeah. to raise funds to support that. So he did all. He did. He I took know, advantage. And I, and I know
1: you and I both. I know you and I both supported it. I mean, yeah. it was. Um. It, it, it was an amazing effort of uh, one man who knew the situation. But I also think the you know the, the stories we heard about what actually was happening on the ground were so different than the coverage we got from our our U.S. media.
2: Right. Uh, yeah, that's uh, that's the truth. And, um, you know, that you, you were talking earlier about RFPs, you know, uh, uh, and, and it's interesting, you know, that, and this is this is something for a company that if you're in whatever kind of business you're in, if it supports any kind of crisis issue, it makes you put I have to say it puts you in kind of a strange feeling because you're going like, okay. so what are we supposed to what are we supposed to hope for? that everything gets resolved quickly and everyone's healthy and happy and everything's res- or, 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 or the you know the RFP is to support and there's a lot of money to be made I mean that's the kind of the uh, the ugly side of the reality of, of these things that so that FEMA gets its cash and gets its money and then there's uh, um, there's lots of companies saying I want a piece of that action it's kind of um, it's just the nature of the beast I guess
1: exactly uh, exactly. I mean, we saw one for radio. We, um, but gosh, there was. I remember one was, for, I think, for civil engineering, and a firm that had, or no, I'm sorry, it's for logistics and distribution of emergency supplies. And it seemed as though a company with no experience whatsoever got the contract, and it was it was painful to watch because I don't think the company meant to do a bad job. They, saw, right. hey, we've got an opportunity. We can. Uh, uh, let's try and do this. This is something that we'd like to help out and we could get paid for it. Hey, this would be great. And you're completely overwhelmed.
2: Yeah, well, and that can certainly be just the nature of the way these things work from a contracting perspective. We've certainly seen and been. Um, you know, involved with situations where the, the the contracting world doesn't make sense in terms of the reality of what gets done. Good intentions right, certainly it was almost
1: impossible to deliver uh, to deliver quality because of the way the contract
2: is structured right. And um, so yeah, and that's and there's certainly a lot of inefficiency. And again, I think that probably drove um, a, a lot of uh, Mel's uh, decisions to to get involved as saying that first, they're going to. You talk about it, then they're going to come out with the, you know, with it, with the, with, uh, you know, contract proposals and such, and, and by the time they do all this, people who have been without water and without electricity for months and months, so that's just not good enough, you know, so, yeah, you know, and the other thing about that is for. Probably the same reason that back in the 60s, young people joined the Peace Corps. You go, I'm not going to solve everything, but at least, you know, I can feel okay about myself that I do my best. It makes you feel good that you're doing something with a purpose.
1: Well, you know, it's funny that we're talking about contingency contracting because, do you know, I have a family member who's an expert on that.
2: Well, there you go. You see?
1: Yeah, my sister Lynn um, O'Connell, a much uh, award winning Army contracting officer for 21 years, now trains contracting officers. And uh, she created the Army's contingency contracting methodology and basically set it up so that um, uh, you had a, a ruggedized flyaway laptop, you had emergency warrants, and you had the ability to get product on the ground fast.
2: Well, that's a good thing. I mean, yeah, that, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. In terms of crisis response, not just not crisis communication, but uh-huh. crisis response, the ability to just do it and and uh-huh. it works. You know, sometimes, right, Merritt it's right. interesting.
1: Listeners who work at FEMA, you want to look for Lynn O'Connell, and you're going to Google for Diamond Science and Technologies. There you go. And she can help uh, get you guys whipped into shape for contingency contracting.
2: Well, let's remember to uh, re- re- restate that before the show ends at the end. Um absolutely I'm Lynn's, go uh, our website Lynn, Lynn's link is. But it's interesting about that is that one of the one thing that does happen in terms of events that are you know happening so very fast is on the ground, as much as it's possible, um, um, the la- the necessity to respond quickly can, in some cases, bypass the bureaucracy. Where you can go. Look, I need this truck, and I need it to go there, and I need it to go there now. I don't care about the what the what the policy right. or rules are. Just get in the darn truck and get over there. Um, mm-hmm. So, I remember uh, real quickly uh, back when they had um, uh, Operation Provide Comfort, and I was over in Turkey, and uh, and we needed to get um, a bunch of uh, uh, journalists, uh, Navy journalists, and and photographers. We needed to get to. Salopi, Turkey, close across the border from Iraq, and um, and I'm and I'm I'm the guy charged with doing it, and I'm like I've never done this kind of thing, so I just call up and and the guy on the other end said I said I need a truck, and he says well are you are you with um, I forget the name of the the, the specific uh, command for that are you a part of blankety blank and I said uh, yes okay, so, oh I learned the magic words. And then for for the next yeah. two days, I had the magic word, <laughs> and they didn't have time to look it up. So, uh, mm-hmm. so you can get things done. I felt really good about uh, how I bypassed the system. Anyway, all right. Well, we're up to break time again. Gah, oh, gun it! Uh, hey, folks, um, uh, if you've got uh, questions regarding or interest, uh, you know, something you can bring to the table to discuss about uh, crisis communication. Um, about um, uh, crisis response or anything else, give us a call at 866-472-5790 or drop us an email at ambassadors at voxoptima.com and we will be back in a couple of minutes.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels, you'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit voxoptima.com. That's voxoptima.com.
3: Are you finding your frequency?
0: You listening to The Brand Ambassadors. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. Now, back to this week's program.
2: Welcome back to The Brand Ambassadors. I'm Gary Potterfield, along with Merritt Hamilton-Allen. And uh, we've been talking about uh, crisis communication. We've been talking about, uh, I think toward the end of the last segment, a little bit about bureaucracy and its impact on things. And um, anecdotally, I was was just thinking, uh, uh, Merit, about um, many years ago, I remember uh, I went to support a NATO exercise, and we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about our NATO exercises that we were supporting a couple of years ago. But... um, uh, I went to uh, a place in um, in Antalya, Turkey, and um, there was there was an exercise. It wasn't a, you know it wasn't a, any uh, an operation, and uh, I go there and I was the PAO public affairs support from our part of the organization, and and I go there and um, and I'm trying to like figure out what's going on and how to get to the ships and all this kind of stuff and. You know the, the the other folks who were there. They had all kinds of uh, things to talk about about the engagement with media and all this. But the actual ships that were actually involved in the exercise seemed to be uh, kind of forgotten. And uh, it was just it was just like I would laughed about it. But it was like the more organizations you get involved, sometimes the more confused it gets, and you're like somebody somebody please be in charge. So uh, it was uh, it was kind of an an eye opener for me. But um, uh, we had so you know we had sort of an eye opener too, in, in our support of NATO um, in our trainings that we've done, and um, uh, it was I think it was great training, um, but certainly there were there, there were challenges.
1: Well, it's fascinating. We were um, uh, supporting uh, exercises, uh, particularly for um, German-led contingents of NATO troops going to the northern part of Afghanistan, which. Um, outside of the general NATO mission, train, advise, assist, um, it's an area that can be uh, very prone to natural disasters. And because of uh, limited development in rural areas, an earthquake, a landslide, an avalanche, absolutely devastating. And one of the hardest things, uh, and something we had to um, work with our training audience to uh, reiterate, is uh, there are uh, World, Food, a- uh, World F- uh, Food Agency is there, UNICEF is there. There are a lot of uh, Red Cross uh, emergency relief services, but that's not the same as NATO. And, uh, you know, the mindset from a rural uh, provincial governor, when he's had two villages flattened by uh, an avalanche, is, why won't you help us? And uh, it, it, that's tough, I think, when you're set to help a country, and the help they need is not the help that you know how to give.
2: That's right. Uh, if, if, you've got someone, if you've got someone I need to shoot, let me know. But otherwise, I'm... No, that's too cynical.
1: <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, along, you know, along those lines, hey, if you have an insurgency problem, uh, we're here for you. But, um, yeah, we're not first responders. And that's... Um, uh, you could tell that was uh, a tough issue to deal with uh, uh, to deal with perennially, and it was just you know it's fascinating that a, a large part of the exercise development was just getting the training audience used to all the agencies who are already there besides NATO.
2: Yeah, well, they have a hard enough time just getting used to each other. Uh, we saw that. Right. I mean, how different how different every country is in terms of the way they do business, and you know certainly uh, NATO is trying to you know. Homogenize that or something, but I, uh, but it doesn't. You, you're not going to change the, you know, how different, uh, different organ, different countries uh, deal with things. We saw that plenty with uh, the uh, the, the response to social media from different countries' militaries. But um, yeah, and the other thing is is that no matter what. So right now, you know, just in the United States itself, down in 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 the Carolinas, you know, how many different local, national, international. Organizations, uh, you know, faith-based organizations. Everybody trying to do something, and there's just no way for it to be completely, uh, you know, uh, coordinated perfectly. It's just not going to happen.
1: Right. Right. Very. Uh, uh, very true. And you know, with with uh, between the Resolute Support training and the FEMA training we've done for first responders. uh it, not the same as the event itself, and I think that's the example you get from Project
2: koki. Yeah, but I've got to say that um, um, when I think about those those two you mentioned, resolute support and the FEMA training, and we've talked about this on the show before about the FEMA training is that <clears throat> those guys, because I mean, because it's right in front of them, they know what they're doing in terms of you know the fire chief or whatever. They're because they're just do It's very clear there's the fire and here i am and here's here's my team and so the, so because it's it's kind of clear cut they're able they, i thought they were just really uh, on target in terms of their understanding of response the, you know the bigger the event the more involved the more the the, the the larger it gets the harder it is for everyone to make sense of everything so i thought the fema on the on the fema side for the uh, first responders i think uh, the the more local it gets, uh, the easier it is to understand what you're doing.
1: Yes, yes. And that, I mean, uh, the FEMA training, uh, to me, was positive reinforcement um, uh, more than anything because first responders, uh, just by the nature of their jobs, know how to reassure
2: people. Right. That's what they do all the time. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I just felt that our courses, of course, these were courses that had to be taken to maintain a certain state requirements, so it's not like they were all necessarily, hey, I want to go be a better communicator, I'm going to sign up for this class, so there was definitely a mandatory element to this training, but to me, I just always felt good finishing these classes because everyone was so good.
2: Yeah, they were. that's right, that's exactly right, they were... They were very good, and they, you know, because they were experienced in the real world, and then we get feedback about what, you know, about what really happens on their end. So we can certainly, you know, even mm-hmm. if they come in raw from the perspective of not having um, some of the tips and tricks that we can teach, you know, and it's not all tips and tricks; it's a lot of a solid theory. But, but they have lived it, you know, and that's uh, well, that and changes.
1: Certainly, something. I think that marks the, the type of training we do at Vox Optima is we have a lot of material. We have a lot of templates. We have a lot of theory. We have a lot of tips and tricks. But I think one thing that we always do is either in the registration process or in the first uh, hour of the class, we actually find out what our students are doing. Right. We find out what they do and what they need, and then we take the curriculum that we've prepared and we adapt it on the fly to make sure that it's relevant. We certainly did that completely on the fly for two solid weeks in uh, in Poland. Our first exercise,
2: <laughs> right? Because we went in there really not. It, it, it was, uh, I think, a, ultimately a benefit to to the training audience and to us to not know a heck of a lot because that, you need that sometimes in training this guy is is if you if you're continuous if you when you know too much then it's hard to think outside the box and think about some other way of doing it so we didn't know a whole lot going in about what was done prior to our arrival so we made it up the best way we knew based on what we saw and so that I think that gave a fresh uh, some some fresh information well, uh, you, well, you can really get caught...
1: To, we listened to exercise control uh, the folks who had been planning the exercise for months, and we listened to the training audience, and I think that made that made a big difference. In that we, did, uh, behind um, a slide deck and a curriculum and drumbeat, that um, we really tried to um, uh, understand the situation the best. And I, I feel like our FEMA training was also very similar. So we wanted to find out what people did and what they what they were bringing to the table and what they were concerned about.
2: Yeah, I think that uh, one of the things about training, if you're going to go to some training course, you know, you really want to come away with some concrete things that you can use. Um, theory is nice, and, you know, to get your four-year degree in something that uh, has all kinds of wonderful theory in it, but... You really, when you're coming to a two-week class, a one-day class, whatever it is, you want to walk away saying, you know what, now I know how to do X, Y, and Z, where I didn't know, you know, and I don't have to sit there and... And, and, and take years to absorb and figure it out. I can do that now. I can do that tomorrow. And I think we saw that that's really rewarding for me in the recent trainings we've done where you where an audience comes in in the morning, a small audience of eight, eight or ten people or something. They come in in the morning with some level of competency in this particular skill. Let's say it's public speaking or you know speaking to an audience. And then by the time they leave in the afternoon, we see a rather dramatic uh, improvement in um, and a big and a big light bulb coming on for them. So that's really rewarding for for me.
1: Oh, agreed. And um, I, mean, we, the, I think the course we did for USDA was a good example, uh, a good example of that. Um, those students were very, uh, active and engaged, and we talked through some messaging with them that they, they all felt comfortable with, and we developed some talking points you know they with our with our facilitation really developed some core talking points for their organization that they didn't have before, and they all had consensus on it so I thought that was I, that was great to see
2: yeah and I, I think as I mentioned the other day uh, to you I think that that uh, or some one of the, uh, somebody else who was with us here the other day is that um I knew it was really working when when we were, they were, some of these uh, students were done giving their, their, their short speech or whatever they were giving, that I learned, I actually learned real stuff from what they were saying. That's when we knew that, well, this is actually something, I was engaged with hearing what they were saying. So, I mean, that, that oh, really exactly. felt great right to me, you know.
1: Exactly. Well, um, we're going to be talking more about upcoming training uh, that we've got at Vox Optimus and training we did this week. And if you've got questions or ideas for training, give us a call at 866-472-5790 or drop us an email at brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com. We'll be back after our final break and tell you about um, how you can sign up for Vox Optima training. <music>
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: When business people think PR, they usually think spin. Good, bad, or indifferent. But spin without a strategy gets you nowhere but lighter in the wallet. At Vox Optima, our outcome-based communication is about results, not the ride. You're focused on your bottom-line goals, and so are we. From strategic planning to creative design and production, Vox Optima has experts ready to support your requirements today. Also look to Vox Optima for crisis communication, media training, and issue management. Vox Optima is a service-disabled veteran and a woman-owned business with consultants working from coast to coast. Vox Optima ties PR strategy and every last communication product to what your Organization needs to be successful. At Vox Optima, you won't be spinning your wheels, you'll be getting results. Strategy, not spin. To make our results work for you, visit VoxOptima.com. That's VoxOptima.com. <music> are listening to the brand ambassadors to reach our program today please call in to 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 or send an email with questions or comments to brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com now back to this week's program
2: welcome back to the brand ambassadors i'm gary potterfield along with Mayor hamilton allen and, um, toward the end of the last segment, we were talking about some uh, training we've done and and uh, you know the the things we've really enjoyed about it. and, um, and we really do uh, I think, get get excited and really enjoy uh, the training because it's really something, again, when you see a change, uh, from a student, uh, from the morning to the afternoon or from the day one to day five, whatever it is, it's really, um uh, it's really rewarding that you've actually achieved something, giving them something of value that they can take with them. And, um, and, uh, we, we've got some more training coming up and, uh, you know, we love to do training. So, um, we've got some, uh, some training coming up. Why don't you mention what that is Merit?
1: Yeah, we've got our master class uh, for uh, becoming a better company uh, ambassador and spokesman coming up. It's a full-day course. We're going to have, uh, hold one on October 24th. We're going to have one on November 28th. Actually, I think it's a seven-hour course with lunch in the middle. Um, yeah, well. But um, it, it's a great course. We, we talk about why you need to communicate and how different facets of your organization, and your work can be enhanced by better communication. We go through an extensive period on message mapping, which uh, is uh, based on Dr. Vince Cavallo's Cavallo's, um, uh, work in in, uh, the last 20 years to that event, a real expert, and um, we're able to use part of his curriculum. Uh, You're going to learn to write a speech in 20 minutes, and you're going to um, get to do a presentation Video videotape a presentation and see how you did and critique it. We've limited these classes to eight participants. And when you register, we send you a quick questionnaire about what scenarios you want to go through. So it could be uh, an upcoming company expansion and you want to be able to tell your employees about it. It could be an upcoming uh, company uh, shrink and you need to let your employees know about it. It could be a new capability that your clients don't really see you having and um, how you're going to establish yourself in a new market. Whatever your scenario um, is, have that in mind and tell us what it is in advance, and then we're going to help you build products, message maps, uh, speeches, presentations in this course to your specific uh, your specific um, uh, scenario.
2: Yeah, I think that um, uh, what I would say is that even if you are not designated as the company spokesperson, and I don't know how many companies have, depending on the size of the organization, right. you all...
1: If you're going out talking show, in public to clients right. or anywhere outside your organization on behalf of your company, then you're a spokesman.
2: Right. And you, exactly. It, it's going to be... Um, it's going to help you if you just, uh, you know, happen to be talking to, you know, uh, talking to other business people in, 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 in an event. It helps you if you're just, you know, you're asked to speak in front of the Rotary club or are you talking to your neighbors you're talking at church or but certainly if you're you know you' you you go to a an event um, a symposium there's just so many places where uh, this is going to work certainly and in, in, indeed if you are talking if you have somebody a larger organization and you need to speak to the internal audience and we, we certainly have plenty of experience in uh, dealing with internal audiences uh, this is the kind of thing that can help you but um, yeah, it's, it's, it is a lot of, uh, I think it's a lot of fun, and, and uh, because you said, Mer- merit, it's down to a maximum of eight people, because we really, it's a hands-on experience. It's not just sit back and listen to somebody, um, you know, 40 or 50 feet away um, uh, pontificate.
1: Exactly, and of course, and then we can create a, a custom course for your organization um, for a pretty nominal upcharge. But the course, the cost to participate in our class is uh, eight hundred dollars um, for government uh, uh, clients. That's easily uh, done with a purchase card on your existing uh, out of your existing training budget. You don't have to do a contract for it. Um, it's uh, it, it, it's it's a, a pretty good class. You know, we were uh, going through it on. Uh, we, you know, we did one on uh, Tuesday, and uh, I, I just I, you know I can't say enough. All I do is kind of open the class um, and tell people how to get to the restroom and why they should communicate, and then you and Denise Wilson uh, really take it on. Denise gets into the nitty gritty of message mapping, uh, which is fascinating and uses some. Uh, uh, you know, wonderful ancient Roman examples on uh, you know the first message maps, if you will. Um, you've got the great piece on speech writing. Then we all come together at the end and uh, uh, work on some video exercises based on what the students need to be doing. We go through them together, and that's probably the longest part of the class. Most of the afternoon is spent on um, uh, a pre- preparing a presentation
2: for video. Right, and uh, and uh, if if that's uh, if it if that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable, thinking, oh my gosh, I have to stand in front of the group and, and I have to speak, and you're going to put it on, you're going to record it, and we have to go review it. Yeah, that's kind of the point. You know, <laughs> in other words, the idea is, uh, it's it's not to. Yeah, it may take you a tiny bit out of your comfort zone, but I think what you find. Is that it's not nearly as uncomfortable once you get once you know what you're going to do, and you've learned the t- the techniques of how to do it. I think then it, then it's not so uh, intimidating at all. Um, I think that's really what causes people to be uh, feel uncomfortable in public speaking or just speaking to a small group is that they just don't they don't have that map. They don't know what it is they're supposed to say. They just know they're put on the spot. And I, again, I think if you think back, to, you mentioned the USDA training we had we had we had done recently. Um, the difference in the morning to the afternoon was was really quite dramatic. So I think yeah, you'll really I think you'll walk away with something going. Wow, you know what? I'm not half bad at this stuff. You know?
1: Right. And, I, and what we also want to do is get the you know the idea for folks. Uh, particularly, say line managers, to understand their employees are frontline brand ambassadors for the company. I mean, that's the whole point of this
2: show. Right. Um, so yeah. So so yeah. And if you think of, again, going back to Denise, we'll be talking about the message mapping. Um, just the simple idea that if, think about it right now if, for whatever organization you're in. If you are, if someone were to come up to you and say, "Oh, hi, Gary. What do you do? What's your company do?" And you kind of, you, you, you maybe speak in, in some very general terms, but you really don't have it, you just don't have it down. Um, using the techniques that are in this class, you'll have it down. I mean, you, you'll have it. And, and it. and it makes, it's a very comforting feeling to know that you have it and you can talk to these issues. And then, of course, the tips and tr- uh, tricks and techniques to, to do it well.
1: And uh, you know, it was. Um, I also want to give a little mention. We did some really co- we. I sat and turned your slides, and you and Scott Webb did some really cool training uh, for some defense writers this week, uh, helping them uh, build um, uh, uh, how, how just to build a video very seamlessly into their traditional print reporting. Um, it was it was what maybe an hour and a half. Um, the audience loved it, and uh, if, uh, if you see any course that Vox Optum is offering that has Gary Potterfield in it, you need to sign up. He's a natural teacher. Um, I was engaged. Um, I'd seen it all the day before, but I was totally riveted as you went through these different pieces of gear that can be attached to a smartphone and a selfie stick and basically create um, a, one-man, uh, uh, a one-man camera, uh, one-man camera team plus
2: reporter. Well, here's the secret. Thank you. Uh, that's very kind of you. But uh, we've trained together in places, so don't sell yourself short, Merritt. I, th- I think the thing is, and uh, I think you know this about me, is that um, I'm I'm pretty good when I, when I re- about things I really care about. <laughs> you know, so mm-hmm. if I'm passionate about it, it it shows. Uh, so if you uh, you know if you're going to have to if I had to do a, like a t- presentation on uh, oral surgery, uh, probably not so much. There you
1: yeah. have it. There you have it. But uh, no, that uh, that was fun. Uh, we're we're helping um, um, a defense media partner roll out some video. I think that's going to be exciting, uh, exciting to see this fall. Uh, and uh, we've got uh, some good interest, uh, I think, from uh, government agencies in our training. And we're working to put together some custom courses uh, for them as well. And. Uh, you know, you can uh, reach out to us at, uh, well, at at this one at this email, brand.ambassadors at voxoptima.com or info at voxoptima.com or merit.allen at voxoptima.com or Gary.parfield at voxoptima.com with your questions um, about um, communication and media training courses, spokesman courses, um, crisis communication courses, risk communication courses. We can put together whatever, whatever you need. Need. What am I missing,
2: Gary? No, I think you've covered that well. Uh, I'm just, yeah, I really would love to do presentation training because I love it to to, to uh, undo some of the things that are happening on PowerPoint. Real quick, Mayor, before we run off, let's remind people of uh, some uh, some e- an email address and a, and a web address. First, I want to talk about Mel Cordova's Project and uh, He still has the web uh, there. It's uh, Project Cokie. P R O J E C T C O. Uh, QI dot org project Kokey about uh, Hurricane Maria support and you and you remind folks about uh, about Lynn's uh, website or her email address. That's
1: right, you can reach Lynn O'Connell uh, for contingency contracting uh, training and you really really you you need Lynn on your team at wwwdiamond S, uh, diamond SCI tech.com dot diamondscitech.com. That's Diamond Sign and Technology, and you want to talk to Lynn O'Connell about contingency contracting. Is there anyone else we need to plug today?
2: I think we've plugged it.
1: All right. And our intrepid engineer, Aaron, is telling us we've got 30 seconds to close. So um, thank you so much uh, for listening. We hope to hear from you or see you in a training classroom uh, in just a few months, and we'll be back next week on
0: the Brand Ambassadors. Thank you for tuning in this week to the Brand Ambassadors. Please join Merritt Hamilton Allen and Gary Potterfield for another edition next Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time and 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.